Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsors over at Axon Sledge Supplements. It is a new year. 2021 is off and running. And if you're looking for top-of-the-line supplements, everything from your pre-workouts, post-workouts, protein shakes, protein bars, just a badass company to support, Axon Sledge is the supplement company for you. I've been working with these guys for over a year now. I've been taking their supplements for way longer than that. And what you see is what you get. I mean, it's quality stuff from top to bottom. I wouldn't be pushing it and supporting them if I didn't truly believe in it. A lot of you guys have already supported me with my discount code, and it's not going anywhere. It's still up and running, and I'd be more than happy to answer any questions you have about the supplement company as a whole, but check it out, man. Axon Sledge Supplements. Uh, go to axonsledge.com and use promo code JGill10 at checkout for 10% off of your order. Thank you all for stopping by. My name is Justin Gilly, and you're listening to the Rated JG Podcast. What is going on, everybody? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Rated JG Podcast. I'm very sorry for the delay in pumping out episodes, but... I think I'm officially the worst podcaster of all time because I just, I don't know what's going on, man. Lately, I've just not wanted to do these at all, but today I got the bug to do it. There's a lot to talk about, so I thought, why not sit down and put the mic on and let's see where it takes us. This has no structure. We're just going to talk about everything, Um, but I do want to give a quick shout out before we get started to the YFB Network. Those dudes are always encouraging, dudes and, and gals, but yeah, they're always encouraging and, you know, telling you to they're always like a listening ear when you need advice and a little bit of a, a push whenever you don't have the motivation. So shout out to those people. Just to name a few, you got Mr. Brian Little, YFB himself at the Your Favorite Blockhead podcast. You got Loud and Opinionated with Russ. Uh, you have The Burnout with Chris Barnett. You got Casually Kicking It, the dudes over there in Orlando. And I know I'm missing a few, but those are... Just a few to name off people that are in the network with me. Appreciate y'all. And yeah, I'm back at it. So sorry for the delay, but we got a lot to talk about because this is like my favorite time of the year. Pretty sure if you're a sports fan at all, this is like paradise. This is the best time of year. You got so much going on. It's been said on here many times. I'm a huge baseball fan and my Texas Rangers, big time hockey fan, Dallas Stars. Hashtag don't care about basketball. Hashtag don't care about football. Um, you got uh, UFC, which is year-round, so that's always popping. And you've got golf. If you don't know, the the Masters just ma- uh, wrapped up this weekend. That is one of the big major tournaments throughout throughout the year over there in Augusta, Georgia. I fancy myself a uh, a weekend weekend mulligan kind of a guy. Shout out. I love any chance that I get. If I can get out on the golf course, I'm all about it. I like to think that I'm somewhat decent and I'm definitely not, but that's what the beers are for. So yeah, I'm sure that a lot of y'all listening can relate to that. And then that leads us into like summertime, which is right around the corner, man. Spring, it's it's April right now. Sun's out. You know, we're getting some better weather, which is always a plus, especially down here in Texas. We're kind of in the tail end or middle, I guess you could say, of like storm season. So once that all leaves, we got sunshine and we're all good to go. But let's get started off with the boys in Victory Green because they have been a roller coaster of emotions for me this year, man. They are 15, 14, and 11 for the season. 
And for all those listening that don't know, in hockey, there's three categories, basically, when it comes to your record. you got your wins, your losses, and then your overtime losses. And that's where the 11 comes into play for the Stars. Yes, I said that. 11 overtime losses this year. They're killing me, which is it's kind of unique because if you win a, a game outright, you get two points. But if you go into overtime and lose, you still get one point. And that's how playoffs are determined is by your total points for the season. So the Stars are sitting at 41 points right now. They're six points out of a the last place playoff spot in our division. And it's it's they're so frustrating because if you watch a game, if you've watched any of the games this year, they're very Jekyll and Hyde. They're all over the place. There's some nights where they come out and they absolutely dominate and it's like freaking five to nothing. And then they'll turn around the next day and they're getting blown out, you know, eight to one. And then they've fallen into this trend where they do mediocre throughout the entire game and they end up going into OT and they lose, whether that be a shutout or just, you know, three on three, they lose. But it's just becoming a repetitive type thing and it's driving me freaking nuts. But there are some good takeaways from this season so far. Number one on that list has got to be the rookie, Mr. Jason Robertson. He's like, he's got to be in contention for the Calder Trophy, which is essentially kind of like a rookie of the year trophy, I guess you could say. Um, but it's like the most impactful rookie player, basically. So he's doing insane. Every time that you turn on a game, he is on the stat sheet somewhere or another. He's either getting the puck from Rope and putting it in the back of the net, or he's having a two-goal game. He's having two or three assists here. He's constantly on the ice making an impact, and he's playing on that same line with Rope Hints. I'm sure even if you've only watched a couple of Stars games, you know that that name. He's been Stars rising young players for the past couple years he's great he's kind of finding his stride if he can just stay healthy but those two on the same line oh my god that's like a match made in heaven right now so that's a positive you've got your youngster goalie Mr. Jake Ottinger he's been great the stars are in a unique position with those goalies right now so we have obviously everyone knows Anton Hadobin, who's our number one then you have Jake Ottinger, who's our you know our youngster that he's splitting time with, but you can't forget about the big name, big ticket item that we signed a couple years ago, Ben Bishop. He was the one that we spent all this money on. He was supposed to be the the anchor that holds us down and is a bona fide number one, which he is some of the time. But he had major surgery this off season, so we haven't seen him at all this year, and. It puts us in a unique spot for next season because they're having the expansion draft. The Seattle Kraken is going to come into the league, so they're going to have... I don't know all the specifics about this. Admittedly, I don't. But essentially, you can like protect a few players on your team that you that won't be eligible for that draft for the new team. And there's only a certain amount of people you can do that with and a certain amount of goalies. But from my understanding, it looks like Dobby is going to be entering that and he very well may not be wearing victory green next year so that sucks on one hand but it also is a very encouraging sign that Jake is doing so good at such a young age and especially this season with the restructuring of the divisions and everything dude we're playing divisional teams every night and our division is stacked I mean you've got Tampa Bay who is an all-star team basically you've got Carolina you've got Florida Nashville I mean we're we're playing some big time games over and over and over and he's getting a lot of experience and he's getting better every night it seems so that's a little bright spot there but definitely don't want to see Dobby leave he's a household name he's 
basically impossible to not like this dude. So hopefully we can find a way to keep him around. But we're, we're rolling three deep in the goalie category as of right now. So we'll see. But stranger things have happened in the league. You know, like we still are in this. I don't think that this team is going to win the Stanley Cup. But hey, I mean, if we can make a playoff run, I'm all for it. Last season or the season before, we had a, I'm pretty sure it was a, a franchise record for the most terrible start we've ever had. It was like 1-11 like to start out the season. We were just getting smoked every night. So hopefully we can find our way back to, you know how last season ended. You know, we ended up getting second place. We lost in the Stanley Cup Finals. So hopefully we can get our, ourselves back to that kind of form. But needless to say, I'm still watching it every night. They're a very interesting team, and they keep you hooked to the TV, that's for sure. So shout out the boys at Victory Green. And my other boys, the Texas Rangers. It's baseball season here in Texas, and I'm all about it. And this is a dumpster fire of a team, and it's okay. I'm just glad that we finally embraced the rebuilding structure that is the Rangers for right now. And what I mean by that is they finally, I think the front office finally realized that when we went for it all back in you know, 2010, 2011, all that, we put all of our chips on the table. You know, we drained out the farm system. We went after Cliff Lee and signed a couple people to make that play or that World Series run. And hey, we went there two years in a row. Didn't come back with the trophy, but you know, we had a great couple years in Texas. But those big time transactions that we made during that time, we're feeling the effects of them now. And we have been for the last couple seasons. It's been no surprise to see us doing so poorly, but we've finally got rid of, you know, the biggest one was Rugnet Odor. And I know that he is a polarizing figure in the community. You either love him or you hate him. I feel like he's kind of one of those dudes where he's if he's on your team, you love him. If he's not, you hate him. I'm indifferent. I appreciate what he did for us. He threw the right hook like that was heard around the world. RIP to Bautista's jaw. You know, I think everybody in Texas will always have a soft spot for Rugi. He'll probably never have to pay for another beer in this state as long as he lives because he had the force of every Ranger fan ever behind that punch. So he's got a soft spot in our hearts, but man, he's been fucking terrible. I mean, horrible. Absolutely horrendous the last couple years. So off the top of my head, if you had to look from a a very generic standpoint, second base, which is the position that Rugi plays, Second base is not a power-hitting, low-average position. Usually your second basemen are smaller dudes. They're a lot of contact hitters. They usually are either at the top of the lineup, like one or two, or they're seven, eight, or nine. Well, Rugi has power. I mean, that's been seen. It's it's well-known. I mean, the dude has 450, 460 pop from the left-hand side. Well, that's fine and dandy. But if you can hit a ball 450 or 460 every 300 at-bats, you're not helping anyone. You know, choke up, stop doing your leg kick to the moon, and put the ball in play. And he, for whatever reason, somewhere along the line in his career, he just developed this, oh, I'm a power hitter, I'm a power hitter, which he, I mean, I guess, pretty sure everybody in the major leagues can be a power hitter if that's all you go up there and set yourself out to do is try and hit the ball 500 feet but whenever you're hitting a buck 20 like get out of here with that man we don't need that from that position we don't need that from your type of player and he just I don't know man he's been just not contributing and he's actually been detrimental to the team for a long time from a production standpoint he's a subpar second baseman as far as a fielding perspective is concerned they tried to move him to third base in the offseason and he didn't produce there either so 
we finally embraced that. You know, we let Elvis Andrews, who was, you know, his his counterpart right there at shortstop up the middle for a while. He's in Oakland now. So we have a whole new structure in the infield with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa holding it down at shortstop. He's a gold glover. Dude is, I mean, as fluid as it gets on the diamond. He's, I mean, he, he puts on a clinic anytime there's a ball hit to him. I mean, he's just having a guy like that at shortstop really sets the tone for your infield. And across from him, you've got young Nick Solak, who I who is essentially taking Rugi's spot. He won that second baseman spot in spring training. I like what I'm seeing from him so far. I liked what I saw from him at the end of last season. He's got a little bit of pop, but not enough to get him in trouble. He's hitting four hole. You know, like I I, I like the way that he plays ball. Him and Isaiah look good up the middle. And then not only that, like Dane Dunning, who is he couldn't look any more promising. Um, his last outing was 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 great. He has all the potential to be an ace of this rotation. You know, we've got Kyle Gibson with the word ace next to his name right now. I have a hard time even saying that because I don't think Kyle Gibson's an ace on any roster, but whatever. So, I mean, we've got a couple of youngsters, uh, and, and I think that pitching obviously is going to be our glaring downfall. Like, that's when you look at our roster, that is surely our biggest shortcoming is our pitching staff, but... We do have a lot of young people in place all across the diamond, all across the roster that are going to get the playing time that they need. Nobody expects this team to do anything. Nobody expects this team to do what they've done the last couple years. I mean, if we end the season 500, I will be ecstatic. I think that this team's going to lose probably 100 games. I mean, we're going to be terrible, but I will take that because we're going to have to take our lickings for the next couple seasons and build the foundation to be good down the line, which they are finally doing. You know, if you were to turn on the game right now and you haven't been keeping up with the Rangers, I bet 90% of the population couldn't name you five dudes in the starting lineup. It's a bunch of young guys. But we've got guys like Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe came out the first week of the season on fire. I mean, dudes like, I think he's like a six foot two, six foot three left-handed hitter but he's got the most smooth, soft power swing that I've seen in a while. He's like, when you think of how Gallo and Prince Fielder swing, like, you know, just uncorking a, a, a screw, he's the opposite of it. He's very fluid. He's got power to all fields. He smoked an opposite field home run that I'm pretty sure still didn't land, you know, first week of the season. He's He led the major league in uh, RBIs for that first week. I think he's upwards of like 14 or 15 right now. So that's a great thing to look forward to having a big left-handed power presence in the middle of the lineup somebody that can get on base power to all fields protect gallo give him some better looks at the plate gallo's looking good he's getting a bunch of walks he's his pitch selections a lot better he's choked up on the bat a little bit his two strike approach is different than it was before like okay i can get behind this i would rather turn on the tv every night knowing that we're not going to go to the World Series and we're not making a run for the playoffs, but just seeing the player development, I'm all about it. Like I said, you know, Nate Lowe, Dane Dunning, Kiner Falefa is already an established player, Gallo's an established player, but there's other things to look forward to, like Willie Calhoun. He hasn't even played a game this season. He's got some pop if he can figure it out, so he's coming into the lineup soon. Um, Jonah Heim, another big dude that's like 24 or 25 years old, he's got major pop. I mentioned Nick Solak earlier. Um, Ronald Guzman, if he can figure out how to consistently hit major league pitching, man, he's got a gold glove caliber first baseman that's another left-handed bat in the lineup. So, like I said, 
it's fun to watch them for the first time in a while because there's promise. And it's not a expectation of the here and now. It's a hope for the future. And you can see those things kind of clicking. And, you know, as of right now, they're nine games into the season. They're three and six. That's three games more than I thought they would have won at this point. So that's a win. And baseball is obviously a marathon, not a sprint. You know, they got 162 games. So, I mean, we're not even making a, a dent in the season yet. So we'll see. I still need to get out to that stadium. It looks freaking awesome from everybody that I've spoken to that's been there. They say it's amazing. So hopefully we'll get out there soon. But I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Like I said, no expectations. So anything is a positive at this season. I just hopefully they keep everybody healthy and we'll go from there. But so we got hockey, we got baseball, hashtag don't care about basketball, hashtag don't care about football. UFC. Boy, I can't sing Dana White's praises enough. UFC is a year-round thing. Love it with all my heart. And man, the middleweight division has been popping lately. The last, well, this will be two weeks in a row that there's been a middleweight, or actually three weeks in a row if you consider what, you know, Holland losing a couple weeks ago or four weeks ago, whatever it was. Anyway, middleweight's great. They've uh, they've been headlining the last couple of events. So last weekend, Marvin Vittori was supposed to fight one of my favorite fighters, Darren Till, which would have been an amazing fight. That was pretty much widely accepted as the winner of that fight was going to be next to fight for the belt against uh, arguably one of, if not the best fighter in the UFC right now, Israel Adesanya, Stylebender. So I would love to see Darren Till fight Stylebender eventually, but Darren Till broke his collarbone. So Kevin Holland fills in on a week and a half or two weeks notice, and he gets beat again in the same fashion that he lost to Derek Brunson a couple weeks before. It was no secret that Kevin Holland is a striker in every sense of the word. He wants to stand up. He wants to punch. He wants to kick. He wants to throw elbows. He does not want to go to the ground. So therefore, the scouting report gets out on him. And what does everybody do? Take him to the ground over and over and over and over. And props to them. You know, I'm never going to be the kind of UFC or MMA fan that gets mad at a fighter for exploiting another fighter's weakness. You know, if you don't want to be down there and don't want to get taken down and you get mad about it, well, get up, do something about it, you know? So Derek Brunson did it to him. Marvin Vittori did it to him. And you, you, like I said, you can't blame him, but I don't know if they're going to give Vittori the title shot now after a performance like that. I don't want to see that guy fight Stylebender. Like, and I like Vittori, but I don't know. So this weekend, you got another headlining fight from the middleweight division. You've got Robert Whitaker, Bobby Knuckles, and Kelvin Gastelum who have both had barn burners of fights against Stylebender in the past. So on one hand, you can see how some people would want Vittori because they think that he's deserving, and I, I understand that. So maybe Vittori gets the belt opportunity. Or if Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum go out this weekend and have a freaking haymaker fight where it's you know highlight reels left and right, you could definitely justify the winner of that fight getting an opportunity to go back for the belt. So I don't know. Regardless, I'm going to be watching. It's a lot of fun. The middleweight division needed this little jolt of energy. Shout out to Kevin Holland, you know, the pride of Fort Worth, Texas. He hasn't been winning lately, but much props to him for jumping in on a short week's, you know, a week or two notice and making that money. But I'm sure that that dude, once he can figure out the ground game or maybe even just how to defend other people's ground game, he'll be a problem. So he's real young, got plenty of time to learn and everything, but that was 
big time the last couple of weeks to kind of spice up the middleweight division. So I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, I guess we'll find out as, after the conclusion of this fight on Saturday. So anyway, basically everybody in the, the world knows who Conor McGregor is. And a lot of people, therefore, if you know Conor McGregor, the name that's becoming synonymous with him is Dustin Poirier. Dustin and Conor have fought twice. Um, the one, the more notable one, obviously, was the one in recent history where Dustin TKO'd Connor, got some crazy calf kicks, and you saw all the memes. But anyway, it was a very different Connor McGregor than what we're used to seeing, not even from a fight standpoint. What I mean is the outside the cage antics. So Connor is obviously known for the, you know, the, the shit talk, the oh, it's red panty night, and, you know, who the fuck is that guy? You know, he's he's Connor, you know, Gucci Mink, talking shit to Floyd Mayweather, throwing bags of money everywhere, and, like, he's he's Connor. Love him or hate him, he's Connor. You know who he is. But the most recent memories we have of Connor are with Dustin, and Dustin is the antithesis of what Connor is. Dustin is a family man. Uh, well, like Connor is too. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. So Dustin is a dude that wants to give back, and he uses his platform, almost exclusively uses his celebrity and his platform for the good of other people. Um, he's the Good Fight Foundation. Just look it up. You know, he, he's done so much for the community and for kids, and he, he's he's just an awesome guy. And he and Connor had a bet, a very, very public, not, not a bet, excuse me, an agreement. Very public. It's known everywhere. Connor was supposed to donate an incredibly large sum of money to Dustin's foundation after the fight, regardless of the outcome. And it was all over social media. It was great. Even after Dustin beat the crap out of Connor, there there was video of Connor losing with grace and humility and respect. And then all of a sudden, these last couple days on like social media, on Twitter and stuff, he's been, Dustin basically said that Connor has not lived up to his end of the deal. He's not responding to their DMs. He hasn't wrote a check. He hasn't done anything about that. So it was all for all for nothing. It's big, a big publicity stunt. Connor is not a man of his word. And now we're getting to see old school Connor because Connor's clapping back hardcore. They're going at it online. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm ready to see round three. They're going to do it the trilogy, hopefully. But we'll see where that goes because now that the animosity's back, now Connor's going back to who Connor is. Connor's always been a shit talker. Connor is the epitome of just an angry Irishman. Like he's, it's just Connor. And Dustin's just following suit. He's like, you know, hey, you want to play that game? I'll play that game. We'll call you out. So I'm excited. We'll see. Because if that kind of Connor walks into the cage with that swag and that mentality, that's going to be a different fight than it was last time. I'm not saying he's going to win, but it'll be interesting because this is what cut, this is what got Connor to the big show. This is what got Connor notoriety. This is what got Connor to be the notorious one. This is what got him to be this way. So we'll see how it all plays out. It could very well be, you know, a whole shtick that they're putting on because fighters are synonymous with that. Like I don't know, but whatever happens. They're at least adding some a little bit of spice to that because uh, it's I think more people are attracted to the shit talk as opposed to the uh, humble and the uh, respectful approach from Connor. But I, that's just my opinion. So we'll I guess we'll see whenever the pay per view numbers come out. But either way, UFC's killing it as always. Big fights coming up almost every single weekend it seems like. But 
that's neither here nor there. So I know a lot of y'all aren't into it, but you you should. You should jump onto it by now. But either way, that's all I got for the UFC. But then also the Masters. My, where are my golf people at? I'm a huge golf fan. My wife hates that I watch it all the time, but I love it, man. And I think it, it, once you play golf and you see how freaking hard it is, you have so much more respect watching these dudes just make it look so easy. But Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters, which is a major championship. He's flying home with his green jacket right now. What a fun tournament that was, man. Always so much fun to look at that course and just see how like these guys are the best players in the world and this course just eats them alive. It's so hard, but he, he played great. Uh, we saw the dude Zalvatoris or Zalatoris, the guy who got second place, the real young 24-year-old. It was funny to see him interacting with Adam Sandler online because everybody was giving him a hard time saying that the Zalatoris kid looked like a Happy Gilmore's caddy from the movie Happy Gilmore. So Adam Sandler like reached out to him on Twitter or something. That was funny. He took it all in stride, but he ended up putting on a great performance and that was just, it was fun to watch. I love it. I can sit there and watch golf all day long, but that was awesome. Congratulations to Matsuyama. That's nice to see a couple new names in the mix. And, you know, that's one fun thing about golf is it's never, you hardly ever see the days of the Tiger Woods anymore. That's not just straight domination every event. So always got new and new up and comers and I need to get back into watching it as much as I used to, but man, that was fun. And Definitely gave me the itch to get back out there and make maybe take a 40 strokes off my game because I suck, but it doesn't stop me from playing. It's always fun. Anyway, that uh, that is something that, believe it or not, that leads me into a topic that I have wanted to avoid forever, but I have fallen victim to, is the freaking TikTok train. I was never like against it, but I just never really was outwardly wanting to have a TikTok and finally, I mean, if you don't have one, people can still send you TikToks. And I get it from my friends all the time as text messages. And it's like a little link that you have to click on and you go open it on the internet browser and you have to go to this. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to download the freaking app. And then next thing you know, I am scrolling through all these dudes with golf lessons and golf tips and golf swings. And I'm two hours into scrolling mindlessly through my phone, staring at these people that are giving me tips on golf. And I'm like, oh, I'm full on one of the people that I was making fun of. I am definitely in the TikTok rabbit hole. And I, I, it's cool. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fan, but I don't understand the algorithm because there's like all the stuff that I watch is like sports and like comedy and stuff. And then some random like 13 year old kid will pop up on there doing these dances to these songs and they're all synchronized. And there's like, it's like, a, like what the hell? What? What what part of anything that I have been looking at would think, you know what, let's throw this video in the mix. Like when those scroll across my my feed while I'm sitting there scrolling and I see one of those, I get angry. And I'm like, this is why I didn't want this freaking app in the first place. Like what is what is going on? And what else comes along with that is it makes me a hater. I'm like, how are these people getting millions of views making all of this money for doing that? What is going on? What does our world come to, man? Like, and then that makes me feel even worse because I'm over here like, oh, man, back in my day when I had an Exanga and a MySpace and blah, 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 ma, I would have got beaten up at school for doing those things. And I'm like, God, I sound like a freaking boomer right now. Like, what am I, 100 years old hating on these kids? I don't know. Puts me down a rabbit hole that I don't really like to go down. But I got to say, man, I went down the, I, I got bit by the TikTok bug. 
And I definitely use it less than any of my other social medias for a reason because I feel like it is a straight up addiction waiting to happen and I ain't about that life. So if you if you're in the TikTok world, I feel you do your thing, but it scares me. Golf lessons I can deal with, but other than that, I, I think I'm okay. But either way, that's about all that I had on the docket to to go over today. So once again, I appreciate y'all tuning in to the worst podcaster of all time. Hashtag no schedule. I appreciate all y'all's support. Shout out YFB, the whole network. Love you guys. And remember, as long as y'all keep listening, I'll keep talking. We'll see you next time.